The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. All right, well, we're at the halfway point in this topical series that, that we're calling Ecclesia. We took a little break from it last week. This week, we're picking it back up. We have four more weeks to go after today, and then we'll return to um, where we left off last fall in preaching through the book of Romans, which, which is what we normally do around here, preaching through books of the Bible. But we've, we've called this series Ecclesia, um, which is the Greek word in the New Testament for for the church, and the whole point of, of this series really has been to to raise the bar of, of our ecclesiology. All right, ecclesiology we've said is the study of of God's word, what God's word teaches about the church. And so we want to increase your understanding of the church according to God's word. And, and listen, not just your understanding, um, we want to increase your love for the church um, unabashedly. I want you to love the church, okay? I, I want you to love Two Pillars Church. Jesus does. Jesus loves the church. He died for the church, including this one. Right now, we're also using this sermon series in place of our, our membership class this winter. And so if you're newish to, to Two Pillars, we'd love for you to be pursuing membership here. Um, the way you do that is for, for this winter, right, is to take in the, these sermons. Or if you miss one or something like that, you can catch them online. And then you fill out a membership application. In fact, you can do that when you get home this afternoon. You don't have to wait until the series is over to get this going. And then once the series is over, myself or one of the elders will, will be in touch with you to uh, contact those who have completed the membership application and set up a membership interview with you. And again, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, if you've been around Two Pillars for you know, a couple months and you're beginning to, to call Two Pillars home, we, we want to encourage you to become a member in faithfulness to how the Bible talks about membership, which we looked at a couple weeks ago. Or, right, if you're tracking with us through this series and, and you decide that Two Pillars isn't the right church for you, maybe because of theological reasons or for philosophical reasons or something like that, we want to encourage you to go and become a member of another local church here in our city. Our city has lots of great churches, and I can recommend some to you, right? So if Two Pillars isn't the right place for you, what we want for you is to, in faithfulness to God's word, go get connected somewhere else and become a faithful contributing member of a local church. That's our heart for you. Lastly, if you're brand new today, <laughs> welcome. This is kind of awkward, right? Um, so we're, we're, we're glad you're here, right? And, and we pray that God would even use the series used today to, to go ahead and raise the bar of your ecclesiology as well, even if you're not a Christian yet. We'd love for you to be learning what God's word has to say about the church and in particular leaders in, in the church today. But we're halfway through. We've looked at some questions, haven't we? We've looked at uh, what is the church and why go to church and what does the church do? What do I do with church baggage? And then I mentioned most recently um, we talked about what is church membership. And when we understand what the church is, when we understand what the church does, and we, we grow in our appreciation for the importance of the local church, we understand you know, church membership and, and all of that. All that naturally ought to prompt us to ask, hey, who's leading this thing? Right? The, the Bible's answer to that question is elders and deacons. 
elders and deacons. And today we're going to see this in the scriptures. Today we're going to look at, number one, the biblical offices of church leadership. What leadership offices does the Bible set forth for the church? Spoiler alert, it's elders and deacons, right? And so the second thing we're going to look at is who are these elders and what do they do? And then thirdly, um, who, who, deacons, who are deacons and, and, and what do they do? That's what we're going to look at this morning. The aim here is for you to have a a robust biblical understanding of church leadership. And so go ahead and turn with me now to Philippians chapter 1, which Evian just read a little bit ago. It's on page 980 in those pew Bibles. If you don't have a copy of of God's Word, you can open up to to there. But Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 1, page 980 in the pew Bibles. Philippians was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul in or near the year A.D. 62. Okay, so about 30 years after Jesus was crucified, after Jesus was was buried, raised from the dead, about 30 years after uh, after he ascended, you know, and, and Pentecost came and the beginning of the church, church happened. That's where we're at in the timeline of New Testament history. And the, the church in Philippi was, it was the first church that, that Paul planted in what we would call Europe. Well, you can read about that in Acts chapter 16. He planted it on his second missionary journey. It would have been planted some, sometime around the year A.D. 50, give or take a, a year or two, right? And so what we have in the letter to the Philippians is Paul's instructions to them when they were about 10 to 12 years old as a church, which is about how old we are as a church, right? We just celebrated 11 years this, this past fall. We planted two, two Pillars Church 11 years ago. Before that, it didn't exist, right? And, and Paul here, he's writing largely to the Philippians to encourage them. And a church that is 10 to 12 years old needs a lot of encouragement. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Wow. Uh, but what I really want to draw your attention to here is, is how Paul addresses his letter. Look at Philippians 1, beginning in verse 1. We read Paul and Timothy. Okay, so Paul's writing. Timothy is with him. Listen to how he describes themselves. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Servants. There's a humble attitude here to Paul and Timothy's leadership. We're servants of Christ Jesus. And then it says to. So this is who he's writing the letter to. To all the saints. And we could dwell there for a while, couldn't we? Paul doesn't say, hey, all you kind of jacked up sinners or something like that. No, he addresses them as saints. And if you're here today and you belong to Jesus, right, this is one of the ways that God relates to you. As a saint. That's how he sees you. A sinner saved by grace, yes, but a saint. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, and he says, grace to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice here three categories in the addressee part of, of the letter. First, all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Okay, so Christians in the city of Philippi. This is the church in Philippi that he's addressing. Perhaps even, we would say, members of the ecclesia there. And then he singles out overseers and deacons. Do you see that? So 30 years into the timeline of of, of Christianity and the church, 10 to 12 years into the life of this particular church, we see the offices of overseer and deacon present in the church in Philippi. There were church members, there were overseers, there were deacons. 
Now, that word, overseers, if you're using the the ESV translation of the Bible, which is what we use uh, around here, um, it might have a footnote. Mine has a footnote. And if you trace that, if you, anybody into footnotes, I love footnotes. I hate endnotes, but I'm a really big fan of footnotes, okay? If you chase the footnote down to the bottom of the page, um, mine says, or bishops, and then it says Greek, episkopoi. Everybody say, episkopoi. Good. Look at you learning Greek this morning. That's going to come in handy. It's going to come in handy. Now, the the reason that that footnote exists is because the Greek word episkopoi can be translated as either overseers or bishops. In fact, anybody in here have the New King James Version of the Bible? Anybody? It's okay to raise your hand if you do, okay? We got one. We got one. They're like, hey, I do, I do. It's okay. It's okay. Um, If you have the New King James Version of the Bible, yours probably is translated bishops with a footnote that says overseers. And the reason is because those words can be used interchangeably. Now, here's why I'm dwelling on that. All right. We use the words overseer and bishop as well as elder, pastor, shepherd. We use them all interchangeably around here because the Bible does. We don't see separate categories for for elders and then pastor or, or bishop creating some hierarchical structure like you might find, for example, in the Episcopal Church. Guess where they got their name? Right? Or the Roman Catholic Church, where you have the Pope and then cardinals and archcardinals and bishops and, and priests. We use these words interchangeably because the Bible does. And I want to show you that this morning. In Acts chapter 20, Luke records, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders. I'm not going to make you say all the Greek words this morning, but there's the Greek word for elders there. He sent for the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's our word from Philippians 1.1. To care for, or shepherd, that word can also be translated, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so in Luke chapter 20, Luke tells us that Paul called for the elders, whom the Holy Spirit had made overseers, and they are charged to shepherd, or pastor, the church. That word shepherd in Acts 20, 28, is to care for. That's how the ESV renders it. It's the verb form of a noun that Paul uses in Ephesians 4 when he says, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And we can add to this 1 Peter 5 where we again see these words used interchangeably. So Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And he says this, shepherd, right? It's, it's, it's the verb form of the noun in Ephesians 4, 11, which is translated shepherds or pastors. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Now look, here, the elders are exhorted to shepherd, to to pastor the flock of God, exercising oversight, which is the verb form of the noun that we started with back in Philippians 1. And you're all like, okay, 
Is, is this what the whole thing's going to be like? Uh, no. But again, there aren't different offices, okay? Um, there's one office referred to in different ways. Or as my friend Bob put in his, his book on gospel eldership, in my household I have titles of husband to my wife, father to my children, and head of household to the IRS. That's relevant, isn't it? But, but those titles are all various aspects of one role or office, the leader of the family. The same is true in the Bible. One office, the office of local church elder, is referred to under three titles, elder, pastor, or I would add shepherd there, so pastor slash shepherd, and overseer slash bishop. Now, (laughs) my goodness, you're thinking, remind me why this matters, okay? Um, It matters because myself, um, Adam Stair, uh, Craig Ruskamp and, and, and Ben Reese are all elders here. We are all pastors here, all shepherds, all overseers. There, there's no tiered system here, okay? We're equals. It's not me and Adam as, as pastors and then Craig and Ben as, as elders. We're all elders. We're all pastors. We're all shepherds. We're all overseers. One of us isn't a bishop, Okay, nobody's got a hat or anything like that. There's no archbishop or pope around here that we report to. Oh, we only report to Jesus, right? Colossians 1.18 tells us that Christ is the head of the church. He has ultimate authority around here. He's the senior, senior pastor. He's the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the one shepherd, uh, the, the scriptures say. And then myself and Adam and Craig and Ben, we are all under shepherds. And I'm not over them. They're not over me. We work as a plurality in service of you, but we work as a plurality, something that we see in the New Testament. In fact, everywhere, almost everywhere, the elders is mentioned in the New Testament. They're mentioned in plurality. This is important. In Acts 14, at the end of Paul's first missionary journey, Luke records that he goes back through Lystra and Iconium and and Antioch, cities where he had preached the gospel and planted churches. And in Acts 14, verse 23, we read that he appointed elders for them in every church. Elders, plural. Paul says to Titus in Titus 1, verse 5, this is why I left you in Crete. On the island there, I left you at the island of Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. We just saw in in Acts 20, verse 17, Paul sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. When James wrote, is anyone sick among you? He didn't say let him call upon the elder. He said let him call upon the elders of the church. Multiple elders in each church who shepherd and pastor and oversee. That's the norm in the New Testament. And it's the norm here. Again, this is, this is pretty important. It's good for you to have a plurality of elders functioning as equals. And, and it's important for one, because we hold each other accountable. Right, two, we, we see things differently. We relate with, with you all differently. You, you relate with each of us a, a little bit differently, I would imagine. We bring different perspectives and, and histories to the table when, when decisions are, are being made. And we all benefit from that. We're not all wired the same. Uh, We're not all gifted the same. There's a reason if you go on our website that that Pastor Adam and I have titles or or role descriptions on on our website. I'm listed as the pastor of preaching and organizational leadership. Adam, we've defined his role as a pastor of pastoral care and formation. Does that mean that Adam isn't a gifted preacher? By no means. He's an incredible preacher. 
But, but it does mean that God has gifted Adam and, and, and also Craig and Ben with a stronger gifting for pastoral care. That doesn't preclude me from providing pastoral care. That doesn't absolve me from, from shepherding the flock in any way. I have those gifts too. They're just not my strongest. And we're all called to it. But I'm not the strongest in the bunch there. God's gifted me with a, a stronger gifting in administration and organization. Adam with, with care and counsel. God's given Ben giftings of encouragement and joy and passion for overseeing things like our, our youth. Craig's gifted as a listener and a peacemaker and counselor. And, and it takes all of us to lead the body of Two Pillars Church well. You know, when we planted Two Pillars Northeast back in 2016, a lot of you were a part of that. Um, when Pastor Adam and, and two dozen of you launched out to, to start that congregation, we missed you, and we missed your giftings around here. We also missed Adam's giftings around here. And around here is kind of weird because back then we were over there. You know what I mean, right? Like, it, it was... We missed it, and, and one of the reasons, one of the big reasons we decided to recombine the two congregations in 2018 is that we came to the conviction that our bodies needed both of our giftings in order to grow healthy and strong. And I praise God for the biblical norm of plurality of, of elders, and you should too. I benefit from it, and you do too. That's the first office that we see in Philippians 1, verse 1, overseers, elders, pastors, shepherds. The second is that of a deacon. If elders serve the church by leading, deacons lead the church by serving. This is another office in the local church. Now, scripturally, the, the, the word for deacon, diakonos, was, has, a, has a broader meaning like servant and a narrower meaning in a formal sense like we see in Philippians 1.1 in the office of deacon. And so on, on the one hand, every Christian is a servant, a diakonos. We're all servants of God and of the church. But on the other hand, not everyone who serves God or the church does so in the official capacity of a deacon in the narrower meaning. Or to say it another way, while every deacon is a servant, not every servant is a deacon. And we see that clearly again when we look at Philippians 1. Paul makes a distinction right between all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi and the overseers and the deacons. The overseers and the deacons were, were two distinct groups, distinct from one another and distinct from, or rather an identified subset of, right, the broader church in Philippi. And we'll turn more fully to who deacons are and what they do shortly when we, when we look here at 1 Timothy 3. But for now, I want you to see that in 1 Timothy 3, Paul gives instructions to the church in Ephesus. Okay, that's where Timothy was ministering. And 1 Timothy would have been written around the same time as Philippians, probably actually a few years later. But in Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, Paul gives instructions to the church in Ephesus about qualifications for the elders and deacons. And he starts by saying, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires, right, aspires to the, to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And then that's 1 Timothy 3.1. And then he goes down in verse 8 and he says, deacons likewise. Okay, so overseer, pastor, shepherd, elder, you know, and deacons. These are the two offices that we find in the New Testament for leaders in the local church. Commenting on the development of, of these two offices, New Testament scholar William Mount says, when, when the churches were young, okay, think about when the churches were young, 
Paul appointed overseers, not deacons. Okay, think about, uh, think, think about Acts chapter 14, right? In the early churches that he planted. When he went back through those cities, it doesn't say that he appointed deacons. He said, it says he appointed elders in each of them. But in more established churches of, of Philippi and Ephesus, there were both overseers and deacons. Perhaps the latter office developed on a church-by-church basis as the size and needs of the church increased. And the last part's important, because as we search the Scriptures, what we find is that the Bible provides a lot of freedom for contextualized ministry when it comes to deacons. While the roles and responsibilities or, or the functions of the elders are, are universally constant, the roles and responsibilities of deacons seem to be more particular and unique to each congregation. Right? Now, that's a lot. We're going to keep going. You know, we've got a little bit of scuba gear on today and going deep here, right? But with all that said, let's look briefly more closely at who these elders are and, and what they do, and then who deacons are and, and what they do. So turn um, in your Bibles, if you're in Philippians, to the right a little bit, to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 3, it's page 992 in, in the Pew Bible. Um, to answer the question, who were elders... The Bible provides a list of qualifications. Okay, so for elders, we find that in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. Um, and then a little bit more, there's, and some overlap with Titus 1, uh, 5 through 9. But let's look here at a couple of these qualifications. I'm not going to go through all of them with you because you can read. Um, but I count 18 of them here in 1 Timothy 3. Titus has, again, some overlap and a few different ones as well. But look at a couple here. In, in chapter 3, verse 1, 1 Timothy says, again, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And so first and foremost, an, an elder is someone who aspires, okay? There's a calling on his life. There, there's, there's someone who has a God-given aspiration. It has nothing to do with, with uh, nominations or popularity vote, okay? This is the, a spirit-directed call on a man's life to shepherd, to pastor a flock of God's children. Uh, Charles Spurgeon um, the old London Baptist preacher, um, he, he has long been quoted as saying, do not enter the ministry if you can help it. <laughs> right? uh, what he means is, this isn't for the faint-hearted. It's, it's not for those who think it would be cool. Uh, it's not for those who think it'd be prestigious or, or, or fun. If you can do anything else, Persian used to say, do that instead. All right? Uh, why would he say that? Well, because being a pastor is one of the most difficult and challenging and sanctifying yet rewarding things that somebody can do. The, the demands are spiritual, they're physical, they're emotional and relational, they're mental, theological, they're pastoral, they're managerial, and they're nonstop. And in fulfilling these demands, the elders also are accountable, according to Hebrews thirteen seventeen. All pastors will have to stand before God and give an account for those souls that they've been entrusted to watch over. And therefore, they better be called. I was with a, a group of pastors here in town one time, and we invited an older godly pastor in town to come and talk to us, um, more aspiring and young buck pastors in town, and we asked this older pastor in town a bunch of questions about the ministry, and he said, hey, let me sum up for you the, the burden of pastoral ministry in this way. He says, I never take a shower alone. 
And you're like, what? Creepy, weird, illegal. Do I call the cops? <laughs> right? Really disturbing. But here's what he meant. Someone is always on my mind. That's what he said. Second qualification I want to point out here is that elders are men. And we'll get into this more next week when we look at the roles of men and women in the church. You're going to want to come back for that, aren't you? You're, going to, you're like, men and women in the church, tongues, and end times. Those are the things that people are like, give me some more. I want to, let's do that until you hear it. And then you're like, I don't know if I like that or not. But next week, we'll talk about roles of men and women in the church. But for now, look at this text, right? It says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office, he desires a noble task. Verse 2 speaks of him as a husband of one wife. Verse 4, he must manage his own household well, keeping his children submissive. Eleven times in this paragraph, we read the male pronouns he, him, even husband. Next week, next week we're going to see um, the Bible further ground this distinction in creation, actually. But let me just be clear, here at Two Pillars, we hold and believe that the Bible is, is clear that the office of elder is reserved for biblically qualified men. That doesn't mean that we don't have women who lead. We have women leading in all kinds of ways around here. Uh, Arianne has been leading us in corporate worship so far this morning. In fact, she wrote the liturgy for us this morning. Alyssa does that too. Right, but we find the, the Bible to be clear on the restriction of the office of elder to biblically qualified men. Now, Beyond that, there's 16 more qualifications that are here, right? Um, that's by my count. And you should read through those. You should reflect upon those above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, and on and on. These are the qualifications. There's a lot of them. The scripture takes this office very seriously, and we should too. And we don't want to add to the list. We don't want to subtract from the list. We, we don't want to add to the list, you know, seminary degrees. That's, for example, is not listed, believe it or not. Um, it's helpful. I got one, you know, but um, it's not actually in the Bible. A minimum age isn't listed either. Entrepreneurial acumen isn't on, on the list. Uh, successful or wealthy businessmen isn't a criteria for serving as a local elder, in case you were wondering. Social media strategist or social media influencer not, not, not in my translation, right? Um, political lobbyist isn't on here, nor is culture warrior. None of those things show up on, on the list of, of qualifications. We don't want to add to the list. We also don't want to subtract from the list. We want to submit to this list. This is who elders are, biblically speaking. Now, let me ask you something. Um, are elders perfect? <laughs> no. Um, do elders make mistake? There's at least four wives in the room right now nodding their heads yes, right? Um, do they sin? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So in light of that, what we're looking for and what you ought to be looking for when you're considering involvement in a local church is, is men whose lives are marked by these qualifications, who exemplify these qualifications. But you're not looking for perfection. When we make that mistake... Um, when, when elders make a mistake, when they sin, they ought to be quick to repent and seek forgiveness to be, to be absolutely sure, but they're not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. They're not Jesus. Only Jesus is Jesus. No elder here is the chief shepherd. Only Jesus is the chief shepherd. The elders of two pillars are under shepherds who have been called by God despite their shortcomings to shepherd the flock that God's entrusted to us. 
And I know that sounds like, duh, like cookies on the bottom shelf stuff, you know. Um, but it's real easy to, to set leaders up on a pedestal uh, or to have unrealistic Jesus-like expectations of the elders, not, not just to be sinless, but perhaps like all-knowing, um, everywhere present, omni-available, infinite, but forgetting that, man, like we're just regular old guys with families, <laughs> With, with limitations. None of us got all the spiritual giftings, in case you were wondering. Um, we've got our own struggles, schedules, our own personalities as humans, some more extroverted, some more introverted. I'll remind you, neither one of those is a sin. Neither one of those is qualifying or disqualifying for the work of ministry. We have responsibilities outside of pastoral ministry, like parenting and grocery shopping filing the taxes and cutting our hair, or, well, some guys get their hair cut. <laughs> I can do this myself, right? It's not that hard. Um, loving our wives well, tending our marriages. We still have bad days. We get tired. We need time off. We forget to respond to a text sometimes. We even say things that you won't always like. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. Sometimes from a place of holiness, you need to hear, sometimes not. None of us are infallible. None of us speak ex cathedra, just in case you're wondering, right? And, and I say that not to make excuses in, in any way, shape, or form. In fact, while we're on the topic, you can flip over to 1 Timothy 5, verse 19, where Paul also talks about what to do with an elder who persists in unrepentant sin. Bible's clear on that, too. It's really helpful. So I don't say any of this to make excuses, but just to make sure that we kick out any pedestals around here and make sure that we keep biblical expectations around here. Your pastors are broken men, saved by Jesus, Called by Jesus to shepherd the flock, yes. Qualified, yes, but perfect? No. No. As pastors, we are all very much dependent upon the very same gospel and the very same grace of Jesus that everyone else in the church is. Let's turn then to what they do. Um, Turn to 1 Peter 5 for that in your Bible. Page 1016 in that pew Bible. We're doing a little flipping this morning. 1,016, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm actually not going to elaborate a ton on 1 Peter 5 uh, because Adam actually preached a fantastic sermon on this text uh, in the fall of 2020, and I'll post that on, on Realm this week. You should listen to that. I'd say even do that this week. He gets more deeply into the shepherding side of our work and, and, and kind of what you should expect from us as shepherds. But let's do look briefly at 1 Peter 5. Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock. And so the first and primary things that elders do is shepherd the flock. Press that metaphor a little bit, right? Elders know the sheep. They guard the sheep. They feed the sheep. They lead the sheep. They care for them. Pursue them when they go astray. Counsel. Discipline. Pray for you. Labor in prayer for you. 
continuing on in the text, they exercise oversight. Elders are the ones who are always concerned about the overall health and well-being of the church. Elders lose sleep so you don't have to, right? If so-and-so isn't doing well, the elders, the elders are to be overseeing them. If XYZ isn't working right, the, the elders are asking, why not? What's the good, the bad, the ugly of XYZ? They set and maintain the course of the church. And notice also this passage gives a lot of instruction, not just to the what, but to the how. This is really important for you to, to pay attention to, the, the how of, of pastoral ministry. How are, how are they to shepherd the flock and exercise oversight? Not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering. Not domineering over those in your charge, but as being examples to the flock. Because they love and care for the flock. And so out of love and care and concern, to willingly, eagerly, as examples to you, elders shepherd and they oversee. Thirdly, then, it's not listed here, but it's actually the, the only non-character-related qualification in 1 Timothy 3. They teach. Titus 1 says that an elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That doesn't mean that, that every elder has to be able to stand up here and preach, but it does mean that he's someone who can teach the scriptures and handle God's word in accordance with sound doctrine. If you're struggling to understand the Bible or, or a particular part of the Bible or some, some difficult situation comes up in your life, your elders are the ones who you ought to be able to shoot a text to, grab on a Sunday morning, or stop by their house and get a biblical answer when you need help. He's someone that you can trust to open up the Bible and not say crazy things from it. Someone who doesn't just give you his wisdom or worldly wisdom, but the wisdom of God from the word of God. Additionally, under this item of teaching, elders set the theological direction for the church. They guard the, the theological doctrine of the church. They define and defend from the Bible what it is that we believe as a church and why. They carry the weight and responsibility of authoritative doctrinal instruction from Scripture for the body. And lastly, under what they do, they lead other leaders. We see this in Ephesians 4.12. We read of them equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And so elders aren't just leaders. They're to be leaders of leaders. That's a lot, right? That's why if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. But it's a heavy load. Now, what about deacons? We'll, we'll turn, turn back to 1 Timothy 3. If you have turned away from 1 Timothy 3, turn back to 1 Timothy 3. We have qualifications for them in the Bible too. Let me say this on the front side of talking about deacons. At, at Two Pillars Church, we believe the Bible teaches that both men and women can hold the office of deacon. Again, we'll get into that a little bit more next week. We also have a position paper um, that, that go into, goes into this more. It's called Our Practical Theology of Deacons. We'll post that on Realm for you this week, along with that sermon that I mentioned earlier from Adam. 
You can read through that. But as we turn to the qualifications for deacons in 1 Timothy 3, um, we got to do the Greek thing again, okay? And it's something that we have to make sense of is verse 11 and how verse 11 starts in your Bible where Paul writes, their wives likewise. Now the word there, T-H-E-I-R, isn't there, T-H-E-R-E, <laughs> in the Greek. There's not there, right? You're like, why is it there? Well, it's not there, okay? Um, Paul writes, their wives likewise. That word there isn't in the Greek. It just says wives. In fact, again, if do the footnotes. Man, we love footnotes. I hope your Bible's got footnotes. You go to the footnotes of the ESV translation. We're told that their wives can also be translated as wives or women. And what that means is that 1 Timothy 3.11 could be referring to the wives of deacons as in their wives, or simply wives without the there, meaning married women who perhaps assist male deacons, or it could be, as the footnote also suggests, simply women, married or single, who are deacons. We think that all three are legitimate possibilities. We're not alone in thinking that, by the way. It's not like two pillars didn't come up with something novel. Uh, there's lots of uh, Orthodox churches who, who believe and hold to this. Reading the whole paragraph then with this interpretation of verse 11 leads us to see the paragraph this way. Okay, let's just get ready. It's going to get lighter. We'll get a little heavier here, but then lighter. But 1 Timothy 3, 8 um, through 10, we read this as qualifications for both male and female deacons. Okay, 1 Timothy 3, 11, keying off the word likewise, wives, additional qualifications for female deacons. Verse 12 then, additional qualifications for male deacons. And then 13 returns to a concluding statement applying to both male and female deacons. And you're like, that's not exactly what I was hoping to learn all about this morning, you know. But there you have it. And, and you can read through these on your own. Um, I'd encourage you to, to read through the, the qualifications for deacons. On, deacons are to be dignified. Okay, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, and so on. But these are the qualifications for the office of deacon. And you should know about these, Right? God isn't hiding these from us. You're not like, well, what are we supposed to look for? For somebody who's a deacon, right here, it tells us. It tells us. We're not left to figure it out on our own or come up with our own criteria. It's right here. What do they do? Well, let me put it succinctly. Deacons function with identified delegated authority from the elders to fill specific roles and responsibilities depending on the unique and specific needs of a local church. Okay? They manage or coordinate a specific essential function of the church's ministry. They actively bear ownership and responsibility for that area, like beyond what's expected from a mature Christian member of the church. They actively execute the area of ministry in a way that takes the administrative and logistical burden off of the elders, freeing them up for the work of shepherding and overseeing the overall church, if we recall 1 Peter 5 as well as to focus on prayer and ministry of the word like we see in Acts chapter 6, which is likely a forerunner for the office of deacon. In Acts 6, you'll recall that as the church grew, as it matured, that there were material needs, physical needs, administrative, logistical needs that needed to be met, and they weren't being met. So the apostles, um, they appointed seven leaders to meet those needs so that the apostles themselves could focus on prayer and ministry of the word. It seems highly probable... <laughs> That as Paul and his partners planted churches and those churches grew and matured, 
that they followed that apostolic pattern from Acts chapter 6, appointing deacons in the churches like we read about in Philippians 1 and 1 Timothy 3. Right? And this is what deacons do here at Two Pillars. And in fact, at the end of our service today, we're going to be uh, re-recognizing a few deacons who have been serving our body for a number of years, Sarah Frederick, uh, Danny Keelan, Justin Swanson, who's downstairs with kids right now. We hope to get it back up here. Um, we're also in- installing five new deacons, Brad Thomas, Anthony Estrada, Kim Mueller, Dan Delzell, and Tim Frisch. When we get to that part, we'll, we'll share with you each area that they are um, leading in. Um, they're, not, they're not the only leaders around here. We have lots of, of leaders uh, around here, but uh, these are ones who've been serving for a, a while in a specific capacity. Uh, one of the qualifications for a deacon is that they'd be tested first. That's 1 Timothy 3, verse 10. And we see them now as ready to be formally installed into the office of, of deacon. Um, but this is, is who the Bible says leads the church. Church, elders and deacons. And you might think, well, that's just kind of boring for a Sunday sermon, right? But this is really important. The, the church that you plug into and become a member of needs to be led by biblical leaders in the church, and they need to be qualified leaders and called leaders and all the rest. And so this, this should be something that, whether it excites you or not, ought to be pretty important in your life. As a Christian, you should desire to be a part of a church with robust biblical leadership, and therefore, you yourself need to have a robust understanding of church leadership. And that's what God's established. He's blessed us here with some incredible leaders. Let me give you just a few points of application then as we wind it up. Number one, um, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. God has blessed us, again, with some incredible leaders around here. We should never take that for granted. Like, I know of churches in places outside of Lincoln who are desperate for good leaders in their church, desperate for good pastors and elders in their church, or they've got an aging elder who's retiring, and they don't know what they're going to do. So praise God that he has provided multiple called, qualified, and competent elders at Two Pillars Church. Praise God that he has so richly provided multiple qualified, competent deacons at Two Pillars Church. Jesus has promised to build his church, and he's doing it here, and reflecting on his provision of leaders ought to help us to rejoice in him. Number two, pray for your leaders. Pray for them regularly. Pray for them by name. Pray that they'd stay encouraged. Pray that they'd lead with joy. Pray that they'd walk closely with Jesus and and prioritize their own personal spiritual vitality because in all the doing of ministry, we can sometimes get distracted from the being just with Christ in and of himself. Pray that they'd love and lead their families well, those that have them, managing their multiple spheres of responsibility at home, church, work. Pray for unity amongst our leaders, that God would continue to bless us with that. Man, in all the craziness of the last two years, God has blessed us with an immense amount of unity amongst the leaders of two pillars. We should praise him for that and not take it for granted, continue to pray for it. And pray for protection. Satan, and you're like, Satan? Yeah, he's like Satan. He loves to target leaders in the church. And so pray for protection over them. Pray for protection from attacks of the evil one. And then number three, thank them. 
None of them are looking for this, okay, just so you know. No one isn't like, no one slipped me a 20 and be like, hey, Todd, tell them to thank us once in a while when you're up there. You know, <laughs> that didn't happen, but if they want to. Um, none of them are in it for this, right? Um, but thank them from time to time. Out of all the elders and deacons that I've mentioned by name today, Adam and myself are the only ones who are paid here. And a lot of work, um, it, it takes a lot of work to be a non-staff elder. It takes a lot of work to be a deacon in the church. These men and women have said no to other things in their life to be able to say yes to leading the church. And they give a lot, a lot of time to it. And so rejoice, pray, say thanks. Let's do all those things together now as we close. Father, uh, we love you. And we love your church. And we love your church because you first loved your church. God, I, I pray that for those of us here who are trekking through this series together, that you would be raising our understanding of the importance, the beauty, the glory of your church, messy as it is and can be. Father, we rejoice together this morning over your provision of, of leaders in this church. I, I can remember 12 years ago thinking, oh goodness, what are we going to do? And here we are uh, with an abundance, a deep, amazing blessing of qualified, called, competent elders and deacons here and others who don't fit those descriptions who lead in all kinds of ways. Father, I pray over all of our elders and deacons this morning that, that you would encourage them in the depths of their spirit by your spirit, that, that they would remain healthy or pursue ever-increasing health, spiritual health in particular, but physical health, family health, relational health. God, would you give them a, a special blessing of your spirit as they manage multiple spheres of life? And we, th we thank you for them. We thank you, Lord, for them. We don't just thank them, but we thank them. But we thank you for them. Thank you for the love that you have given them for your church. Thank you for the labor that you have given them for your church. And I pray that you would fill them today with a satisfying sense of hearing from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.